Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father, we want to just take a moment and acknowledge you and acknowledge our dependency on you every time we open up the scriptures, God. Our tendency to maybe rush through what we read, our tendency maybe to think we know what we're reading, uh, not realizing that your word is alive and active and you have fresh things to show us and to teach us. And so we pray that you give us the Holy Spirit. You pray, we pray that you would be our teacher tonight, that you guide us through this chapter and that the things that you've prepared my heart to share, Lord, would be things that the, the, the individuals here need to hear and that people would be encouraged, people would be challenged by the text tonight, even as you've challenged me uh, through the studying and preparation of this chapter. We love you. We thank you for your preservation of, your, of the word. We thank you for the sacrifice of Christ that sanctifies us and that makes us available to be vessels of your Holy Spirit. And so be with us as we look to this chapter tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 39, we pick things back up now in the life of Joseph. There's kind of, there was a parenthetical break on the life of Judah and the messed up family situation there. And now we jump right back into Joseph's story. So far, God has given Joseph dreams signifying that, hey, you're going to be great. Your family is going to bow down to you. In essence, God has told Joseph, hey, you're going to be the next leader of this lineage. And don't forget the significance of what it means to be a leader in this godly line, in this lineage. According to the Proto-Evangelium, the very first gospel in the scriptures was that there would be one born of the seed of the woman who would crush the work of the enemy and defeat the work of sin. This Messiah would come and it would be through this godly line, the, the, the godly line of Seth on down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So with everyone who would receive the mantle and take lead of this lineage, there would be this expectation and hope that either perhaps they would be the Messiah or the Messiah would come through them. Now we know that as history unfolds, Judah, yeah, the, the one with the messed up story last chapter, he's the one God chooses through his lineage, Jesus will come. However, Joseph is the one who takes the mantle and leads the family out of all the 12 brothers. And what we'll see here is that he is a type of Christ. We've talked about this back in chapter 37, different ways Joseph parallels Jesus, but no doubt one of the most significant ways Joseph uh, relates to Jesus is that he will save his people, but he will suffer on the path of, of salvation for his people. So as we jump into Joseph's story, we're jumping into the beginning of his sufferings that the Lord ordained for him on this path of salvation for his people. In chapter 37, his brothers sold him into slavery. His family rejected him. And that's where we pick it up now tonight in verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. So it tells us Joseph was sold to Potiphar, this guy named Potiphar. And it gives us all this information about Potiphar, and it details these things because the Bible wants us to know that Potiphar was a very important person 
in, in the, there in Egypt. Essentially, he was like the lead of secret services for Pharaoh, the head of security for all of Pharaoh's palace. This was a very powerful man, a very important man. And just think about that. Of all the people that could have purchased Joseph out of slavery, of all the, the cruddy places he could have got stuck working as a slave, all the obscure places, he gets picked by this very prominent man who interfaces with Pharaoh himself. So we might miss it as he's sold into slavery. Man, very bleak. But don't miss the fact that God already is at work with what's going on here. I mean, what are the odds of that? It may be difficult for Joseph to see, and it's going to get even more difficult. It's going to get even bleaker for Joseph, but God is certainly starting to pave the way to Joseph's exaltation, to Joseph's becoming great and having people come and bow down to him, but not yet. Verse 2, we get the key to Joseph's endurance. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. We'll just stop there. The Lord was with Joseph. This is the reason why Joseph had hope in such difficult, painful, grievous circumstances. It's because he knew, he felt that the Lord was with him. The Lord truly was in his corner. And guys, I want to remind you, if you didn't know this, it's better to be in Joseph's shoes than to be in Potiphar's shoes. It's better to be in Joseph's shoes as the slave than in Pharaoh's shoes as the ruler of all the land. Because, it's, guys, it's better to be a slave yet to have Christ than to be a king and not have Christ in your life. The poor man who has Christ in his heart is richer than the wealthiest man or woman who has all the pleasures of this world at their disposal but does not have Christ in their life, does not have the hope of eternal life, does not have the fulfillment and the satisfaction that only God can bring. They have every pleasure at their disposal, yet none of it satisfies them because they're missing the peace to true fulfillment and true satisfaction. Whereas the poor man, oppressed by man, the one who's been robbed of earthly pleasures, maybe even sitting in a prison somewhere for his faith, he is richer, he is more fulfilled with Christ in his heart than the wealthiest man out there. It says the Lord was with Joseph. And this is the difference maker. It goes on to say, and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. So as, as Potiphar is looking at Joseph's life, he sees a difference in Joseph. He sees that the Lord is with Joseph. Now, when it says the Lord there, do you notice in your Bibles, it's all capital letters, L-O-R-D. This is the tetragrammaton. What he's saying is Potiphar noticed Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever guess you want to take at the tetragrammaton. The Hebrew God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was with Joseph. Joseph was representing the true and living God as he worked for Potiphar. And Potiphar was noticing, hey, this God is real. This God moves on behalf of his follower. Verse 4, So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had 
in house and field. That's an interesting concept. Here is, here is Joseph honoring God and working for this non-believer who worships many different gods, but not the true and living God. Yet God is blessing this man, this non-believer, for Joseph's sake. What a testimony. Do you, do you know that God wants to do this with you? The places that you guys interact, the places that you guys perhaps work, God wants to use you as a beacon of light and to be a blessing, not a burden, but a blessing to the authorities in your life, to the, to the bosses in your life. Like God wants to prosper your bosses through you so that they can see, wow, there's something about this person. There's something about the God that this person follows. Now, some of you guys, a lot of you guys actually, uh, people that I've talked to are, are looking at losing their jobs in this season. And I, I want to say, if you do, if you end up losing your job over mandates, is your boss going to be happy about that? Or are they going to be bummed? Are they going to be sad to lose your influence? Sad to lose this, this man or woman of integrity who's, who's done a lot of hard work for them? Are they, are they going to be happy? Like, good riddance, man. That Christian was always complaining. That, they never worked hard. You know, what kind of witness are you in the workplace? Joseph was this amazing witness, and Potiphar took note, and the Lord blessed him because of Joseph's sake. Verse 6, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Basically what that's saying is, of this you know, wealthy household, Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything except what direction he wanted to chop up his ribeye you know, for dinner. What, what condiments he wanted to use you know, with his burger and fries. That's all he had to worry about at home. Joseph took care of everything. God caused Joseph really to prosper in this position. He blessed him with skill. He blessed the work of his hands and made the work prosper, made the work effective. He gave him favor in the eyes of, of Potiphar and it led him to this position of prominence in, in Potiphar's house. He's basically like the head butler. So as we read this though, I, I don't want you to get the impression that God is just like making all of this happen. And, and despite Joseph, I want you to realize like Joseph played his part. There was due diligence on Joseph's part. You see, it says the Lord was with Joseph, but you better believe Joseph was with the Lord too. Joseph wanted the Lord in his life. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord blessed Joseph's work because Joseph actually worked. Joseph gave the Lord something to bless. Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes because Joseph honored the Lord with his actions and acts favorably. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Joseph earned the blessings of God. I'm not saying this is merit. Christianity is not a meritocracy where you earn God's approval. It's all about God's grace. This is all about God's grace. God didn't have to do any of this. But Joseph showed up, didn't he? Joseph made sure he was in the place and the position that God would want to bless, that God would want to honor. And the same is true for you and for me. Honor God and He will honor you. So many people sit back, well, you know, God hasn't done anything for me. You know, where's God in my job situation? Things are really tough right now. Where's God in my schooling situation, my financial situation? Have you honored God? Have you operated out all in faith? Joseph has. 
Joseph has honored God, and God is honoring Joseph as well. So he serves Potiphar as unto the Lord, and God blesses him for it. And I want to tell you too, I want to point this out, that this right here and now, Joseph is exhibiting the characteristics of a great leader. Right here. Not when he finally gets the title. Not when he finally is awarded the position of you know, prime minister in the land of Egypt. Does he start acting like a great leader? He starts acting like a great leader right now, bottom rung as a slave. In a position of obscurity, Joseph is exercising leadership qualities. Right here and now. And God sees it. It kind of reminds me of King David. Do you guys realize that when King David was anointed king by the Lord, he was probably 12 years old, maybe a little older. He was just a boy. But in that little boy, God saw the heart of a king. Not when he was in his prime, in his 30s, hunting down giants, but when he was a little kid watching his father's sheep. David was faithful. David honored his father and cared for those sheep and David was courageous and David was wise. It was in the days of obscurity that God saw the heart of a king and God sees the heart of a leader here in Joseph. Jesus even said, "Look, he who is faithful with few, I will entrust with much. The days when you have few on your plate and you feel like nobody sees you and it's an insignificant job, you need to realize the significance of that obscure position. There is great significance eternally in a position of obscurity because God is really watching you. Especially because nobody else is watching you. God is watching you. Your true colors come out when nobody's watching you. How are you going to respond in this position of obscurity? In this lowly job where you got to clean toilets and do the grunt work that nobody else wants to do. How, how will you respond? When, you honor, when we honor God in our positions of obscurity, God will honor us publicly. That's how it works. And that's what he'll do with Joseph. Now, God has more for Joseph than just head butler of Potiphar's house. In fact, we know the end of the story. We know God actually wants to make him second in all the land, only second to Pharaoh. And so there are a few more steps and there are a few more difficult challenges that are going to come Joseph's way, which we'll see right here. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I think that means he had a good build and he was a a good looking guy and that might help him in certain instances. And I'm going to tell you, it it does not help him right now. Sometimes it can be a curse, uh, as you can see here. And (laughs) I'm not speaking... I'm not speaking from experience. I'm not. <laughs> you're all, oh, okay. No, no, that's not. That, was, that came out weird. <laughs> Verse 7. And after a time, his, master, uh, his master's wife cast eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. So she's super direct. She just approaches Joseph. Hey. And it, it's been time now. Like, so time has passed. Joseph has, um, has come into a position of prominence. And so there's kind of been time for this this fondness to develop and now all of a sudden she's like super aggressive and she's like lie with me and I want to tell you this is a huge test for Joseph is it something that the Lord brought Uh, 
you know, the, the Bible says that God doesn't, doesn't test us, right, in, in regards to bring us evil, but we are enticed by our own evil desires. That's what it says in the book of James. Nevertheless, God is watching how Joseph responds to this. And I want to tell you that this is a huge test. For, this is like the test for men, for most men. Are you going to honor God or are you going to feed your flesh? And it is such a strong fleshly desire that it becomes a real testing point. And let me tell you, a very great arena to honor the Lord in. Yeah, you maybe, you know, if honoring God with your finances, it, maybe that's easy for you. But when you have such a strong fleshly drive to say, I'm shoving that aside because I really want to honor God. Man, what a, what a way to honor the Lord. What a way to prove your integrity, your moral character. And I want to tell you guys, Joseph here is at a disadvantage because he's like 17, 18. He's, his hormones are raging at this point in time. Like desires are strong for him. He's been kicked to the curb. He has every reason to make excuses for this compromise. He's the, the head of the household. Now he's worked his way up. Why can't he, you know, celebrate a little bit? Or, you know, think of all the excuses Joseph could have had at this point to compromise. And yet he passes the test. He remains, amazingly, remains faithful to the Lord in this temptation. Verse 8, he says, He refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not, uh, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then, and I love that, he, he wants to respect the institution of marriage. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So he resists this temptation. He shows us really three things that he kept in mind that helped him to overcome this temptation. And I want you guys to, to keep these things in mind as well. The first thing is he acknowledged, hey, this would be an offense against Potiphar. This would be wrong to do against, against my master. And that's something that we need to keep in mind with our sin. You are not an island unto yourself. Your decisions have repercussions and every sin that we partake in will hurt somebody else. It will affect somebody else. And so to acknowledge that and to ask yourself before you partake of a sin, who will this hinder? Who will this harm? Whose life will be negatively affected by my decision to partake in this sin? Here's a question to think about. Whose faith might be damaged by my decision to compromise? Now, you might have some sins where you think nobody knows about it. It's just you. But even, let me tell you, even those sins hurt other people around you. Because, you know what? They compromise your relationship with God. And then in turn, they hurt your witness. When you choose to compromise, you become a weaker witness to the people around you. You become less equipped to be a light bearer for Christ when you compromise. And you hurt other people spiritually by being absent as a spiritual leader in that way. So it always affects somebody, guys, when we compromise. 
Joseph, however, maintains this love for his neighbor. He says, I can't do this to Pharaoh. He maintains an awareness of, hey, this is really going to hurt somebody else if I do this. Now, a lot of people have committed affairs like Potiphar's wife here is trying to do. And they reach a point where their desire becomes stronger than their concern, their care for those around them. And so they, they do this thing and they, they really hurt those around them. And I would, I would be willing to bet that a majority of the people who have committed the affairs probably never would have had they known the degree, of which they, to, to the, the degree to which they would have hurt the people around them. If people would have known how much that would have hurt their spouse, how much of it would hurt their kids, how much it would hurt even the family of the other person involved, the damage, the fallout, the collateral damage from an affair, that affair likely would not take place. So keep that in mind. Your decisions have repercussions and it hurts other people. That's something Joseph acknowledged. The second thing I noticed that he acknowledged here is that he would lose the blessings that God has granted him in this position in in Potiphar's house. He says, hey, I've been entrusted with all of the responsibilities of this house. Why would I squander that? Why would I... Why would I take advantage of that and, and, and lose Potiphar's trust? I can't do that. And that's what compromise does, guys. Compromise will drastically damage God's plans for your life. Compromise will, will damage God's blessings in your life. You will lose God's blessings. You will lose God's favor in certain arenas in your life when you compromise there have been those... Now, now I, I do want to say that God is gracious. And God can restore. And if you have compromised, that there is grace for you. God, as the Bible says, God can restore the years the locusts have eaten. Proverbially, God, God can restore the damage that your sin in your life has caused. He's able to do that. And He has. There have been those who've gone down the path of compromise who have returned to find God's favor and receive restoration and even be used by God. But there have been many who haven't. Many who have not returned from that path. Many who have tried to return from that path, but their witness was ruined and they couldn't be used by God. So don't play with that fire. Understand, look, God wants to use you. God has plans and a position for you to make great impact eternally. Don't jeopardize that. Keep that in mind. God has blessed you. Don't squander those blessings. This is a good thing to keep in mind. Joseph keeps this in mind as well. And now these first two things that Joseph kind of implies, he doesn't expressly say it. They're they're kind of implied at at his response to Potiphar's wife. But this third thing I'm, I'm about to tell you is the most important, and it's explicitly mentioned by Joseph. And that is it would ultimately hurt his relationship with God to compromise. How can I do this wickedness and sin against God, he says. This is by far the most important thing to remember, that understanding that every compromise will hinder and harm your relationship with the living God, with the Lord. And really, this is the key to combating compromise in your life, and that is maintaining a close relationship with the Lord. Maintaining a a healthy love for God, because when you love God, with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength, it will equip you to love your neighbor. And you won't want to hurt other people with your sin. When you love God with all your heart, 
It will give you a passion for His call on your life that you won't want to compromise. It will keep you from the actions that will bring about compromise when you ultimately pursue God with all that you have. This is really the way to overcome temptation is proximity to the Lord. Staying close to the Lord. I want to tell you as well that usually the battle of temptation and falling into sin is won or lost before the moment of temptation actually comes. In most cases, you've already won or lost that battle before that moment of temptation has even come here. You see, if, if you pursue the Lord with all that you have, you're focused on the Lord, you want to honor the Lord, you will purpose in your heart not to compromise and you will be ready, you will be strong on that day of testing. When all of a sudden, it's been said that opportunity is the sting of temptation. Yeah, we can talk about sin all day long from the pulpit, we can talk about temptation in a church setting where, the, where there's not a lot of temptation. Oh, but the moment when you actually have an opportunity to experience that sin, that is the sting of temptation. You need to prepare yourself now for that moment of testing. And so that's how staying close to the Lord will help you. Staying focused, purposing in your heart what you will do, what you will not do. So you are prepared when that day comes. Because if you lose focus, if you take your eyes off the Lord, if you allow your thought life to start drifting and you start compromising just up here, you will be vulnerable and the enemy will pick you off. You will be weak spiritually and you won't be able to stand on that evil day having done all to stand, it says in Ephesians. And so I'm going to tell you something that I do. I tell, this is what I tell myself. When, when sin comes my way, even the, the, the thought comes my way, I tell myself these things. I say, you know what? First off, I love my job too much to compromise. Uh, I don't want to lose what God has blessed me with by way of influence. And you, you, may not, you, you might not be a pastor, but God has given you influence. Say, to say, I love God's plan in my life too much to compromise. I tell myself, you know what? I love my wife too much. I love my children too much to compromise. I love you guys too much. I love this church family ignition too much to allow compromise in my life because compromise in my life will hurt you guys spiritually. But most importantly, I tell myself, I love Jesus too much to do, any, to do that. I, I won't do that because I love Jesus too much. I would be prepared to tell that to somebody's face if they were tempting me. I would be prepared to say, you know what, I love God too much to fool around with, with whatever that temptation is. And, and, and in preparing myself for that, I want to be ready for that evil day. And, and you should do the same. It's very practical, a very practical way to do that. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. Our hope is that through this ministry, your heart would be ignited to live boldly for Christ. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 and 28, we want to invite you out to join us in person. We meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. We hope to see you there. God bless.